there's a mic switch on this some bitch. I knew it. I knew that's what it was, but I didn't say anything because I'm too polite. Hello. Um, I didn't know that was like a thing because it's like a headphone set. Um, yes. Hello. We have a special. We have a special guest here tonight. I know. Hi. What's up? And and it is Elvis Presley. Elvis. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming down here. I forgot the name of my house. <laughs> it's Graceland. That's right. It's Graceland. That's right. Graceland. Um. That's very and good. And that's all he can do. <laughs> that's all the Elvis we're gonna get. That's it. That's that's fine. That's about as much Elvis as we got in this episode, so I don't think yeah. it's a big deal. Um, do you have any other impressions you want us to share? I can do Squidward. <laughs> I hate the internet. I hate all you people. I hate podcasts. <laughs> I hate followers. I'm being stalked. <laughs> that was this is quality this is quality fucking uh, podcasting here. This is this is comedy gold. There's no such thing as quality podcasting. Did you know did you know that ModCloth, the female clothing website ModCloth, sells it's a women's blouse. It's a sleeveless women's like business blouse. And it's oh, called no. Podcast Co host blouse. I don't want one. You should see the way you should see the way that my father is looking at me. <laughs> with a shame I'm that, Squidward. With a shame this that it's all audio. We're having the fear of the mind. The mind. If we have podcast guests yes. on our show, we sh- they should have to wear the blouse. Yes, they I know should. we're we're not a video podcast, but I still feel like they should. They he's should he's be making. He's wearing the blouse. He, how do we know he's not wearing the blouse? Though? I'm wearing the blouse. He's wearing That's the, fair. He he insists he's wearing the blouse. I'm wearing the blouse. He See, so you know, I can't confirm or deny. That's right. She can't see me. No, no, she can't. They can, uh, okay. I think. I think that's. I think that's a good intro to go into the episode. And I want to ask, uh, how many other podcasts have your dad come on and do Squidward Tentacles? Like none. Like none. And that's the kind of quality you get from this show. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is we're, 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 we're offering something that we really can't imagine anyone else getting from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a really specific niche content on top of an already niche content. Is your dad wearing the podcast co-host blouse? No. So maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe that's the whole thing about podcasting. We don't maybe we're all wearing the blouse on the inside. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, here's you the really, thing. You, you cut- really should have seen his face when I told him about this blouse. It was just like horror and a little bit of like concern, but mostly Anger. just horror. Regret. I mean, that's the sort of thing where I feel like if you just cut the sleeves off of literally any blouse. It's the same fucking blouse. I need to see how much this podcast co-host blouse is. Oh Christ! Oh, uh, okay. why is Modcloth timing out? I don't deserve this. This is this is this is punishment for uh, mocking the podcast co-host blouse. I know, right? Co-host blouse Modcloth. I've found that it adds to the comedy if I have to like type something out. I find it adds to the comedy for me to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they have two podcast co-host blouses. Oh, it's only nineteen ninety nine. It was on sale. So there's one that has sleeves, and then the sleeveless one is oh, it's on sale. It's ten ninety seven. I mean, at that point, I'm you kind are of not losing. buying the. Oh no, it's oh, it's available in black. At this point, I'm kind of oh no, it's still thirty five full fucking dollars in the black. Never mind. Absolutely the fuck not. I was not. like, if it's ten, if it's ten dollars and ninety seven cents, aren't I losing money if I don't buy it? Yeah. No. Wait. Okay. Listen. You can't just buy. <laughs> you can't just buy stupid shit like this just because it's cheap. And I'm saying this, and I'm looking at the two horses yeah. that I just yeah. sort of threw into my shopping cart when I was buying um, things I actually needed because I was like, you know what? Fuck it. What's what's another ten dollars? Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite, yeah, but I, I, I can I, see that. I feel like I feel like maybe you don't need this specific blouse. We can probably get you a nicer blouse. I'm sure we can get um, me a nicer blouse. And I... speaking of also pr- 
parental guests is I'm sorry, I tried to get a hold of my grandma. Yeah. Uh and I I had to call her yesterday and be like, Okay, grandma, um, so this TV show I watch had Elvis on. Yeah. And then I had to stop and explain, like, no, they went like, no, it's a show about time travel. Yeah, no, they no. traveled back. Oh my time god. Yeah, it was it was a really great conversation of me just sort of you ever get to a point where you're in the middle of explaining something to an older relative and you're like, if I just fucking hang up now. Hey, hey here's here's this week's challenge. Fucking explain Legends of Tomorrow to your grandparents. It was it was definitely because I was like is I would oh. not even do this if my if my nana, Satan rest her soul, was still alive. <laughs> I would not do this on a fucking dare. No, no, God, no. There is no um, amount of money in the world that you could... Oh, my God, tomorrow is pie day. Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, okay. Huh. I just wanted everyone to know that, and I also wanted everyone to know... I'm sorry, I'm still on mod cloth. I love their dresses. This is a shirt dress with zebras all over it. Oh, it's so cute. I feel like maybe we should stop online shopping. I'm at my parents because I have to go teach a bunch of teenagers about gayness and comics tomorrow. Valid. Uh, otherwise, I'm here to uh, talk talk about uh, gayness in television for today. Valid. Actually, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to bring up Legends tomorrow. Huh, Legends It might not be tomorrow. worth it. Because, I mean, fuck, we already... I mean, if we're like... If you really want to listen to two old gays bitch about comics... And queer baiting and queer coding on a shitty basic cable TV show that's technically about superheroes, I guess. You can just tell them the name of the podcast and then we'll have to I stop swearing. because they're teens and I don't ah. want teens listening to this because we say the word penis a lot. We do, Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, we would have to clean up the content because we would have to stop we swearing so much. We say the word so penis way too much for any teenager to listen to. I feel like we don't say the specific word penis as much. We definitely do have a All long... Right, well, ex- we've certainly exceeded the number of times we say penis in just this short amount of time. I, yeah, I'm a little like, maybe if you didn't shoot yourself in the foot, this wouldn't have happened. But, um... Listen, just to be where fair, was my, no, I will hold also on, hold say... On. We're we're getting wildly off topic. So I was trying to explain to my grandmother that Elvis's yeah. guitar was <laughs> Elvis's guitar. I was like, okay, so Elvis was the he had no he had a magic totem. Yes, there's there's magic totems in this time traveling mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Please don't hang up on me. And secondly, yeah. like it was genuinely kind of entertaining because she just kept asking questions, and I just hit a point where I was like. I, I don't know what to fucking tell you. And I'm like, I can't even make you watch this because I feel like you're going to have stringent opinions on it in a way that I'm going to be like, I mean, they're valid. I don't want to hear your fucking discourse, grandma. It was more like, it was also the sort of thing where if it had been more like Elvis heavy, I actually probably would have been like, hey, Graham, watch this because my grandmother fucking loves Elvis. My grandma loves Elvis so much. She has always loved Elvis. He is someone I sort of, I, I, I have like this weird childhood connection to Elvis as that guy, my grandma had like posters and fridge magnets and of stuff um, and mm-hmm. records and all these things. Um, but there wasn't really a lot of Elvis in this episode. All right. So let's go into, let me introduce the fucking episode. Power we are nine rock. minutes in. Let me introduce the episode. This week was the 14th episode of the third season of Legends of Tomorrow titled Don't Tell Grandma Elvis is Problematic. Because in real life, Elvis Presley was so many fucking issues at once. Just your fave is problematic. What? Just what the kids would call extremely bad. (laughs) But we're not going to tell Ari's grandma that because it would break her fragile heart. I don't know what it's like to have a grandmother that's a good person. Um, But I've heard you're not supposed to be mean to them. That's fair. So whatever, I guess. (laughs) Um, I think... This episode already kind of started off as a personal call out when they were just like, Nate's hair gel is connected to Elvis. Yes, this episode. And the fact that he, first off, I'm sorry, because I've been, I've been keeping this in and I've been so angry since it happened. He was like, oh, it's not hair gel, it's pomade. And I was like, I am going to okay. reach Okay, I just want to say for reference that my fiance also does not use hair gel, he uses pomade. I know that. I, I know that. You've I been know there that. when he they buys are, it. They are the same goddamn thing. They are, I'm sorry, they just, they're glue that you put in your hair to make it do the f- Well, I don't know. Could you use pomade to glue down a wig like you do with hair gel? I'm mostly being facetious. Like, I don't fucking care about All the right. difference. I mean, gel. I think before we go into this episode, Ari, can you share with these people a little bit of your Italian-American pedigree, please, so they know that 
that what we're dealing with here? Oh my god, I don't know how to do that without getting. Uh, I have at least three relatives who've worked for the mob, so I I feel like that, that's that's my family has ties to organized crime, or they used to. So I I feel like that's 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 a that's a solid established. I mean, pedigree. you also could have, without implicating yourself in getting this fucking podcast checked by the FB fucking I. Okay, well, I it was like when my pop up was like my my pop and my great like it was a very you long time ago. I thought you were gonna open with the fact that your uncle has a Yankees shoulder tattoo. Well, like don't most people's uncles in the my uncles have no tattoos, are. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, fuck me, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, most of the the few childhood memories I can remember that aren't connected to Pokemon are everyone just played horseshoes. Yeah. Whenever no, we had barbecues. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sort of just stood around throwing horseshoes at poles, and this was supposed to be something I wasn't allowed to do. And I was like, I just want to fling shit around in the backyard. Why can't I? Um, in any case, uh, the the fact that Nate just had this extended bit about the fucking hair gel slash pomade. I'm like, you yeah. son it was of an a incredibly fucking... Italian start to an incredibly Italian episode. Oh. It was the worst. It was the worst. Um, here is the thing. is I'm going to just give a short synopsis of my thoughts on the episode now. Because at this point, I've realized we just mostly dick around for most of the podcast. Not we a bad episode. Re- oh, wait. Before you do that, can I just mention, um, uh, I let my dad. I was like, okay, dad, since you're going to be on the podcast, let me just play for you some of our material. So I played for him the episode where you read your Kingdom Hearts fan fiction. So my dad knows that now. Anyway, this has been a really great podcast. It's been a wonderful time I've spent with all of you. I feel like we've really gotten to know each other as a person. Yeah. But uh, this podcast is canceled. Have a good night, everybody. All right, good night. Good night. It was really, it was great. It was great. Goodbye, I, Ariel. I'll remember you fondly. I, I, I'm, hey, do you take constructive criticism? No, never. I'm going to kill you in a real fucking yeah. Why would you do that? Because in my opinion, there are so because... many other, there are so many other funnier, better bits. No, and I like, think that's thing. one of it's our like, funniest yeah. openings. Thank you. It is. Here's the thing: is the more that I have some friends recently who have been having a re, re a renaissance into this. Kingdom Hearts, and I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at this thing where there was, I want to say, from like sophomore year of high school to mid junior year of high school, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts was a special interest. So I spent like 18 months obsessively researching this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, Kingdom Hearts is a bad game. Don't play it. Everything about it is bad. It was a mistake. The whole thing was a mistake. And I'm tired. I'm tired of people talking about it. I'm tired of people having opinions on it. I'm tired of myself. I think it would personally just be better if I just, the people like me just didn't fucking exist. In any case. I think you're, you're um, perfect, but I'm proud of you for reaching this. <laughs> you're a fucking piece of I'm so I cannot fucking believe you showed that to him. God damn it! Well, I didn't. Um, I mean, we listen. Also, my dad just refers to podcasting as radio. It is. I mean, this is we're essentially like. Well, yeah, because he's like, so they can't see you, and I'm like, no, and he's like, so you're just doing radio, and I said, yeah, and he's like, okay, so literally everything old is new again. Yeah, no, this is just this is just radio. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are those obnoxious talk radio DJs. My dad listens to in the car, where I have to be like, Dad, I'm not starting discourse with you. It's eight o'clock in the fucking morning. You know we're not allowed to uh, mention Opie and Anthony. Oh my god, we're gonna get sued. Uh, so anyway, this episode, short synopsis of this episode, wasted potential with Elvis, and I'm sad because they could have done if this was a if this was a first half of season three episode. We would have probably done a lot more with actually Elvis, but we're hitting that point in the mm-hmm. season where everything is taking a backseat mm-hmm. towards setting up the plot that they've been clumsily pawing at like a cat after a trip to the vet. And it's it's like, why did you even fucking bother? Like Elvis, you literally could have mad-libbed literally any other fucking historical figures, time period, everything about the episode mm-hmm. could have just been filled in and completely as relevant as the Elvis stuff. And like, that's a shame because this could have been a really fun episode, but they had to do so much with the death totem that it just sort of all took a back seat towards establishing what is probably going to be a very stupid plot. Um, so with that, I, I also want to, Oh, here's the sorry. thing. I found this episode very charming and sweet in its own it right. Was, I it think was. the stuff they did with Elvis was 
very charming in my personal opinion. The other thing about that is that they actually, um, in the episode, managed to be like, hey, uh, black people invented guitars and rock and roll and Elvis is just- Oh, no, and that was a good thing. And I really wasn't expecting them to do that because, yeah. again, my standards for the show are a slavery episode. So- this was better than that. That was mostly me getting all the negative out of the way because there yeah. were a lot of really good points this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will go into them, but that was like my, my initial immediate takeaway mm-hmm. of this episode sort of place in the hierarchy because yes. it could have been, and still is a really good episode, but there's this cycle that legends keeps getting trapped in where yes. the second half of each season since season one turns into okay we have to slowly turn towards the plot now i'm like you could just keep doing slice of life because you don't have to do a big overarching plot mm-hmm. you're clearly not good at it please just stick to slice of life stuff but here we are in any case i think one of the things i liked the most about this episode um <clears throat> sorry was there was we've talked before about how steel adam is a little queer baby and this and that a little a lot queer baby and this and that fake me were, daddy there were a lot of references. Is it weird for me to say the word daddy when my dad was just on this podcast? Yes. Um, okay. It was very much, there were a lot of points in this episode where Nate would just sort of say things that were just sort oh of generally God. bisexual. Like he was like, yeah, no, I wasn't attracted by Elvis's hips at all. Like, why are, Why would you, I wasn't looking at Elvis's dick. A lot of, a lot of his behavior around Elvis was like, pretty high key coded as him having like a crush and it wasn't played off and like uh oh man i love you bro you're like i love you so much it bro was, let's go like- they all really re- they were all kind of like okay so remember when stein says he's in love with hedy lamar and everyone's like that's adorable and weird and we're gonna let you have this yeah they had the exact same reaction to nate and that was i mean like here's the thing is the hedy lamar episode ended with hedy being like I have a thing for older men. And so like <laughs> legends is just really. And also incidentally, when she said that um, Mick Rory got on the drop ship and tried to fly into the sun. Yeah. He, he, we have to, we have to, it's, it's password authenticated now because he keeps trying to do that. Yeah. Um, I really did like that. One of the, one of the things I admittedly wasn't super fond of plot point though was they were like, yeah, and Elvis's ghost, Elvis's sometimes this guitar is this ghost, and sometimes it's just a bit of it. the the whole the ghost possessing his guitar, which is the ghost of his brother, and who I'm, he actually I, had who actually yeah no that's died. the thing is I'm sorry my brain had a stroke upon me trying to say those words because it was like you know how sometimes you make a weird transaction and your card you get a call from the bank and the bank is like that can't be possibly what you were trying to buy I just tried to say those words and my brain effectively just said no you can't have possibly intended to say that try again in any case uh Jesse was a real person like that was Elvis's stillborn twin that was something that he sort of carried with him his whole life wait i thought it was just a a, i thought it was like a younger sibling or someone who had died i didn't realize that it was a a yeah yeah oh my god yeah because that was the other thing i asked because i was i was sure that i was pretty sure that was a case and then i asked my grandma and she was like yeah and so that to me was a little like stan it was a little I understand that he's been dead for a while, but it still feels a little disrespectful to have a plot line like that in this kind of show, especially since it was, you know, his his dead twin brother's ghost is possessing the guitar. Okay, but what if and it was we're all just... going to have a fight with the guitar that's being held up on fishing line and a stick because we don't have any fucking Hi. money. Hello, a couple things. One, they played that fucking haunted guitar like that was co- like that was comedy fucking gold yeah no i appreciated that again that when was, they realized because, what they're doing like, is silly it's great especially because they were like oh okay where's the fucking like death like the death totems in the guitar and sarah's like we know and then also the part where mick is like i just got hit by a guitar and zari was like oh okay that explains fucking nothing yeah, no, it was great. Speaking of the guitar, I, speaking of the death totem and the guitar, I have some, you know, I think like I just talked before about how I'm like Legends needs to decide how it's going to handle its serial serialized plot because it's not doing a very good job of it. I talked about my criticisms of this episode. 
None of those matter. You can throw them all in the trash. You can just dump them into a garbage disposal. I don't fucking care. Because this episode had Nate explicitly, specifically say, I literally do not give a fuck if I am handing over a death-dealing nightmare totem that could be the key to a demonic titanic entity turning the world to ash and rot i'm gonna fucking do it anyway and do you know why because elvis needs to release his fucking music on time i would rather come in here and eat you all alive Uh uh-huh that was effectively what it was he he and the thing is is everyone just went along with it he gave them this really impassioned speech and he's like, and if I don't lose my virginity to hound dog, I'm never going to lose it. So we might as fucking well. That happened. Also, literally- Amaya literally sitting there, like, here's the thing is that how one, I'm almost positive that he did still lose his virginity to Amaya and that he was just yeah. inspired by rock and roll to uh-huh. have the confidence to lose his virginity to Amaya. It wasn't like, he um, went- and they just let him. Also because, again, he was a, he's, he's a, there's just a lot about Nate's character that they've kind of like retconned or have not discussed, including the fact that he had a very acting. dangerous physical disability. Yeah. Uh, I, hey, remember the plot of Sherlock? Like, I. The what? Listen. Listen. There is, I genuinely feel like if we asked Phil Clemmer, hey, how does Nate, how did Nate's hemophilia affect him when he was growing up? He would look at us and go, how'd you get in my house? Yep. But then he yep. would go, what? Stop asking stupid questions, Phil. You know how. And, and like, <laughs> and so here is the ultimate thing is that Nate said, I will literally throw this world to the ravenous wolves of the apocalypse because Elvis has to put his music out. And the team said, okay, sounds reasonable. Solid. Sounds legitimate. Okay, here you go. Here's an incredibly powerful, unstable, dangerous, magical artifact that you are too much of a goddamn meatball to handle. Uh, Have fun. Let us, let us know if he makes his music. And, and, and it was just, it was just great. There was, I have no, I have no critiques or it was just, it was, it was everything I expect from this show and more. And it was fucking fantastic. Also, I want to I want to say when when Nick Zano doesn't have the fucking pomade in his hair and he's sitting with Elvis, and he has he the so he has the short sleeve button up shirt with the tie. He looks like a Bible salesman. He does. He does. Like like Nick Zano but, spent an unfortunate amount of this episode looking like a Bible salesman, and like it's it's a kink. It's like a charming. Yeah, he was like, well, because that's the thing is everybody was very like button down, sort of like. 1950s Sunday best look and it yeah. was like actually it was a look it was an aesthetic it was cute but I don't know it's like my my eyes kept trying to fill in a poof of hair where there wasn't any yeah yeah I and mean like weird. the thing is he just had to like side sweep it and it was just it was it was really sad it was it was I wanted some like Sarah McLaughlin music over it and like and like you, like you know over unfortunate pictures of Nate's hair without the pomade in it um how how quickly did you guys put this together <laughs> green, yeah, his green hair is kind of syndrome like cuz I'm looking I'm, I'm looking at his hair right now and it's kind of flat it's it's really sad like he doesn't I think have as much hair as he wants to have I think and it's I think also- the pomade really helped with that I, in his defense, in his defense, he is Italian. He's past 30. He's keeping that hair for the rest of his life. Secondly. He's keeping that hair for the rest of his life or so help him God. That too. Secondly, I think they deliberately did try to make it flatter because he clearly has, he has like fluffier hair in some scenes. This isn't just him not having pomade. This is them like deliberately like flattening it and combing it down to emphasize the disconnect because he's had fluffy hair before. We know he's got fluff. But there's a lot there's a lot of emotion that went into Nick Zano's performance this week. Yeah, there was his there hair was, would have to go through this. None Here's of this the thing. acting. I have I'm been in sure. a romantic relationship for a very long time. And you know how like when you're with your partner, you're supposed to like stroke their head or run your fingers through their hair. The amount of times I go to try to be romantic to Tim and he goes, Don't touch my hair. <laughs> Fuck. Every I'm... every lyric of the song of Shania Twain's "That Don't Impress Me Much" is about uh, Nick Zano. <laughs> Jesus, I hate this. Okay, listen, listen. He works hard on his hair. Um, the only thing he's ever worked hard on. Hey, do you think at that after that um, romantic 
fucking kiss that he had with Amaya, Maisie broke away and said, that's how I'm going to kiss your wife's uh, vagina later. Probably. Anyway. Like, I uh, couldn't just say that's how I'm going to kiss your wife later. I really had to go the extra mile. And I really thought you were just going to say kiss his wife. And then you just, and then I was like, ah, we're doing this then. Yeah. Um, No, imagine what, imagine what this podcast would be like if I was a decent human being. You're wonderful. Oh, thank you. So are you. don't say that about yourself. That's not that like no. That's not fair. Um All right. Wally sorry. also was Hold on. Really- there was hold on. Something I Oh right. Okay, so here's the thing. While we're still on the topic of music, I want to settle one last score because it's bugging me. And it's yeah. gonna bug me if I don't get it. Oh, is it this out. about the ska? God fuck off. Yes. Okay, so here's ska the literally thing. defines who I am as a person. I will never turn my back on it. I, yeah, I, listen. <laughs> Here's the thing. For some, for There's some nothing context. wrong with Scott. There's something no, no, no. wrong Hold with on. Nate Haywood. Hold on. Hold on. Here's the thing. I grew up on Scott. Like, in a way, I, I didn't realize until I was a little older, but most of the music my dad listened to when I was a kid was surf rock, 90s alternative, and Scott. And TLC you want to tell them for some what reason. kind of tattoo and your dad so, has? What? You want to tell them about the uh, kind of tattoo your dad has? I'll get I'll get to it. Hold on. Um, yeah. So I have this sort of fond relationship with ska that when I listen to it, I feel like it's very nostalgic for me. It's like a good it's it's something and it's like something that I just sort of enjoy. It's a really fun. It's it's sort of like all of the it's the exuberance of punk in the 70s, but without any of the heavy social commentary and um, angry socialist rhetoric. So it's like fun. It's sort of like it's proto pop punk. Um, and I, if you're going to have Nate reference bands like the white stripes and the Smiths, you can't tell me he doesn't also listen to the ska because number one, he's the exact right age to have been into ska when he was in high school. And secondly, I'm pretty sure they don't actually know what ska is. And they just picked a genre that was like easy to dunk on because there's some sort of cultural memory attached to it. But fools, it was, so fucking wild because I'm like of course Nate listens to ska what the fuck I think Phil Clemmer just doesn't like ska because Phil Clemmer is a transphobe and he's a transphobe because he doesn't like something I like which as we know transphobia mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean um, like do you want to talk because I think we've talked a lot before about how like Nate has such a specific attachment to his masculinity where it becomes like performative where we're like and I'm not yeah, saying no, that like when a trans like... man is like masculine that is performative a trans man is a man but, but there's I'm a level that... of, that's, no, no, one of the reasons I have such a thorough of, like, here's my reading of Nate Haywood as a trans man, one of the big things is there is this sort of, it doesn't necessarily read as performative, but more demonstrative. He feels the need to be like, hey, I love man stuff, because I worked fucking hard to be recognized as a man, because it's it's not a negative thing, and it's not like, peacocking or being obnoxious but there are a lot of points where he's very connected to an ideal of masculinity and elvis is part of that there's this episode i almost wish it had gone more into a lot of the books i've read a lot of the stories i've sort of consumed with elvis in them um as i've just sort of wandered around the media hellscape have elvis venerated as a saint or as a as a as a hope or a priest-like sort of figure in some apocalyptic American wasteland sort of scenario. Any post-apocalyptic scenario that involves America in some way has Elvis in it as like a pope or a religious Yeah, I was there. really, I mean, we've we've all played Fallout New Vegas, and if you haven't... That actually like, wasn't what I was thinking of, but it does come up there, yeah. I mean, and here's I the thing, of, is I've played that. a lot of New Vegas at this point, and I'm kind of like, am I enjoying this? <laughs> But one of the things I do actually like about New Vegas is the King's Gang. Um, and the King's Gang, if you ever actually talk to the king, um, is, yeah, it's exactly what you said. He says this has to be some kind of religious institution because there's posters of this guy all over the wall and everybody wanted to emulate him. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the only times we hear television, like people watching television post-apocalypse in Fallout. But they actually have wild. Um, VHS tapes and they're like oh yeah we studied all of his stuff until the tapes went bad and now we sort of pass on what we learned from these tapes and I'm mostly yeah. well I mean that's the thing is Mr. And House they have a robot the strip dog. enough that it makes sense and they have a great dog 
Robot um, dog. Robot dog. But the it was definitely dog, sort of... um, leads you to a dead child in a well, but he does have a pretty sweet uh, rare BB gun on him. So, you know, nothing it's lost, fun. nothing gained. Yeah, nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained sort of thing. Um, it is something that's always sort of fascinated me because Elvis is very much... Because also there's a sort of cultural relationship to Elvis. I know it's kind of a joke, but the idea that Elvis... You know, the National Enquirer, like, oh, Elvis has secretly been alive and working as, like, a shift cook in Vegas this whole time sort of thing. And I love that because there is, there's this sort of archetype and heroic Mm -hmm. narratives of the king under the mountain kind of thing where he never really died. He's just sleeping somewhere. And when when we really need him, when when England's need is most great. um, Elvis will return. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing where I think Elvis sort of comes at a point he's like camelot mm-hmm. he's he's very much this sort of platonic ideal yeah him and marilyn of this 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 John really Wayne. romantic nostalgic view of a really specific point in american culture that actually was a lot more complicated and interesting than the narrative would have you believe mm-hmm. even within the context of these people but ultimately elvis is a story is a mythological figure. Like, he is a mythological figure at this point. Like, he is not fully... I don't mean fully human in that Elvis is a monster, but Elvis has become this sort of facet of American culture onto himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And the episode sort of starting from when he was a kid and not really doing much with that was kind of a shame for me because I think that's one of the most fascinating things to explore about Elvis. But I also want to point out that last night when Elvis said to his brother, I'll see you again one day, alluding to the fact that Elvis is going to die kind of young, um, Ari immediately tweeted, "We that's ridiculous. We all know Elvis will never die. Yeah, no. Um, that's, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Elvis is, you know, it's the sort of, and I mean, I don't mean, le- but I mean, what I, everything I just said, when they implied Elvis going to die, I'm like, no, you've missed the point. No, he doesn't really die because... He can't really die. He is not a physical person at this point. He is an embodiment of mm-hmm. of 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 an era of a of a of a culture's understanding of itself. And that's why when you point out even like the really sort of nasty things he's done, it's one of those things where it's like, well, that was a person. Elvis is a figure. Yes, and like, act, yeah, kind of like it's it's and sort that's of, a it's- cultural thing, especially in Americana. Especially if you're, like, a non-American listening to this. Americana is one of, like, my personal favorite, most fascinating things. Um, I know I've asked you this question three times because our audio kept cutting out. But can you please? I don't even want to fucking talk about it anymore. Can I do it then? Yeah. Sorry. Please do. Okay, hello. Um, We had some technical difficulties. So Ari was going to talk about Jesse. Did I say Jesse? I was, yeah, just I, fucking Zari and Wally. And I say that not because I, here's the thing. Here's my number one thing about Zari and Wally. I don't want them to be romantic. I'm not feeling that as a romantic ship. But, um, no. I do think it's really interesting that Wally, like, here's the thing about, is about the bunks is that like, he's in her room, but then they're like, oh, he was moving his stuff into Martin's room. And I'm like, how many bunks do you have on this fucking nightmare ship? The one bathroom thing, the fucking, she has- I don't think they know. She has such nice fucking throw pillows in her room that I feel like, like, that's what I was focusing on, is that I feel like she was just like, okay, I could use some decorations, and someone screamed Ikea trip, and (laughs) now they're banned from Ikea again. They keep going to different time periods, like they get banned and then they go back a little earlier and then they get banned and then they go back a little earlier. Like, Which is pretty tough. Um, we were banned from Ikea on October 21st, 2017. So we will be going to o- Ikea on October 18th, 2017. We have to keep them as close together because we're going to run out of time. Yeah, eventually. Um, I mean, I really did like their interactions, especially since... Thank you for saying all that, because I just remembered, right, Wally was convinced Zari hated him, so that's what all this was about. Oh, but yeah. I didn't even I didn't even get a vibe that she was still, like, I, they just immediately were like, well, I guess we're bros now. I'm like, I love that. I just really appreciated their back and forth this episode. It was really, but it was nice to see Wally's 
power is acknowledged as something that's not a one-size-fits-all fix to every problem in a way that I think was really good for Wally to learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing about Wally and And it's speed, weird how he's yes. been on one episode of Legends and he's had more character development than he had in about a season and a half of it's being on the Flash. It's wild that he got to confront his feelings with Joe in two minutes of Legends when he hasn't been afforded 30 fucking seconds of that on the Flash. And here's the thing. It's like Wally's dad in the comics is not O. Um, and Wally's dad in the comics is like actually super fucking awful. Um, you know, just a sort of deadbeat, gaslighting, manipulative shitbag. So like Wally talking about his dad always makes my heart hurt, even though I know this one, this Wally just means Joe. But literally, like for real, like not even just to be shady, like Wally did get a couple of moments this episode to have an emotional and narrative arc. He Mm -hmm. grew and learned from this. He bonded with the team, if only for a little bit. And admittedly, I wish he had joined a little earlier in the season, if only because Legends is doing that goddamn thing it does where it takes a sharp left turn into a plot that no one is really here for. Um, And that's exhausting. But hopefully he'll be here next season. Um, The Flash can't have him back now. He's uh, he stays here where where I can keep him safe. And and um, puts our Legends hands all over Wally. Does this bother you? (laughs) <laughs> but uh me grabbing phil clemmer's hands and putting them all over wally oh no uh, now it's, it's weird <laughs> and well, then there I, were the there... ghosts okay one last thing regarding the singing and the joining of hands when they started doing amazing grace i was like there's there's two options we have here the first one is is they only play the first verse and i go Ugh, oh my god i'm so fucking tired of just the first verse of amazing grace or they give us the section second option in which they play all 5,000 verses of Amazing Grace. And I have to sit there and listen to all 5,000 fucking verses of Amazing Grace. Uh, Guess which version? That was wild for me because Amazing Grace, I actually don't really know the words to it. So no, I really no only does. ever sing the first three verses of it in stressful or ironic situations. Yeah, no, no one, they're, oh, sorry, fell out of my chair. Um, <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, yeah, uh, hold on. Sorry. Ow. Um, that was one time I fell out of my chair because my cat was sitting on it and I was trying not to, um, disturb him sleeping. And I fell out of the chair in a way that I almost broke my fucking neck, uh, just so he wouldn't potentially fall out of the chair as well. And he just sort of, as I'm laying there on the ground, he just sort of gets up and gets back in the fallen chair and goes to sleep with the chair still tipped over. So that's not relevant to what's going on, but it, I felt I felt like it should give you some sort of context for how used to this I am. Um, oh gosh, I am so tired of Amazing Grace. Okay, that's it. I'm good. Okay, Ghosts. thank you. Hello. Um, a couple a couple of things. Do we want to cover the rat dying or the ghosts first? Ghosts, because the rat dying is going to round out the episode. Okay. Hello, my name is Guitar Ghost. I'm a ghost that lives in a guitar. Um, my design is poor, and there's a bunch of me. Yeah, it's really uninspired. That is some fucking 1997 PC knockoff mystery of Nancy. Honestly, the only thing I could think of, first of all, the Legends writer's Twitter had the audacity to go, g-g-ghost. And it was like they Like, they have earned the right to say that. Uh, first off... They look like they were made with five dollars and some saran wrap. You would have had you would have done a better job had you dressed up the crew as zombies. And second, I'm really I'm just thinking about like the first thing I thought when I saw those ghosts was just the terror time song from Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. But this unfortunate like these ghosts were not let me tell you something about Scooby Doo. Let me let me spin you a yarn. Um the first time I saw Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, I was fucking terrified oh it horrified me no i punched out my two front teeth watching it i was terrified because it's because like i grew up watching the 70s scooby-doo same and then they were like okay let's start doing movies because they started doing that stuff in the 90s Mm -hmm. and they're like okay we're gonna do zombies and you get to a point where it's like no those are actually the fucking undead and you as a child oh it fucking like like that you're like, me. death is all around us. And then they were cat people, which Ari, I'm sure, aroused you in ways you couldn't understand. And uh, 
not about the cat people, but the lady, the 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 evil cat lady mm-hmm. before the cat thing. First off, that is an that is a reference to a really really old and really good horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've never seen Cat People, you probably should. In any case, that fucked me up so bad as a child. Like I literally, the reason I knocked my two front teeth out watching it was because I had my fist crammed in my mouth because I was scree like I was so upset. Like it was. There is something really specific. And it is like it is because you what you just described is exactly how I went into that sequence. Yes. Like I I was obsessed with Scooby Doo as a kid. I watched the seventies cartoon for mm-hmm. a lot, basically, just all the time I, it was on. And to oh, go, we also the, had um um the one that the Harlem Globetrotters were on all the time. Yes, all the all the weird spinoff ones. That's how I found out the Mamas and the Papas were a guest band on one of those episodes. And I I only remember that because I mentioned that to my grandma, and she's like, "Oh, I know them." Uh, and then she told me the story about how the lead singer died from choking to death in bed, and I was like. In the back of my head, I was like, this is a weird thing to say to a six-year-old. There's a lot of talk about your grandma this week. Okay, I know. I'm sorry. But when old-timey music comes up, my, you know, there's not really, my frame of reference is limited. In any case, that kind of left me with one of those things or whatever I'm eating in bed, even if I'm sitting completely normally and my wooden pipe is unobstructed, I'm just like, huh, I'm going to choke to death and die here. And like, not great, Camille. Well, not a great thing to maybe, do. Don't eat in bed because then you'll get crumbs, crumbs in bed. Well, yeah, valid. But it's just a weird association to have with the, the overall. You know what thought I just had? What? My dad better fucking have taken that goddamn sweater out of the washing machine. You want to go check? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna save it. I want. I want the anticipation. I want people to find out next week. <laughs> a lot of people are probably like, week. "Wow, you're really mean to your dad." I'm a full grown adult. <laughs> what was that? What was that bit where you mentioned um, you were talking to someone? You were like, "Yeah, my dad never got mitzvahed." Yes. Okay. None of the men in my family have gotten uh, mitzvahed. We're we're like ethnically Jewish, but nobody in my family really believes in practicing religion. So I'm sort of the first. And so I said to someone, "Oh, none of the men in my family are mitzvahed." And he goes, "Oh, so they're just all a bunch of like big like children." And I'm like, "Oh no, they're just a bar- bunch of large sons." Mm-hmm. And it um oh dear this this chair leg is giving out. So if I fall again um. That'll 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 be great audio. Okay. In any case, that Scooby Doo bit with the reveal of oh, suddenly like ghosts are real, and this is going to tie back into the episode. I can tie this back into the episode. I was going to tie it seconds. back in by just saying this legends evoked none of those emotions. Well, no, because there was like, and that was the big thing is there was this sort of established, and this is why I guess it didn't really shock me when it happened in the live action Scooby Doo because they had already had that moment where mm-hmm. oh, the monsters are real this time. With Zombie Island, yep. and that was the first time that ever happened. So that was nothing. Like I, I, it was. Remember yeah. how I had that talk with you about how you can um, sort of upend a viewer by having the villain sort of pull the expectations out from underneath the heroes. Yes, that whole thing. That was Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. That was the villain saying, "Actually, fuckface, these are real monsters," and you are suddenly thinking oh my god, I don't know how they're going to get out of this one because all of my expectations about this narrative have suddenly been fucked. So, yeah. Legends... Imagine, and like, and like that's how you have to do... Legends like, ghosts true, are real. You have to do a true narrative. You have to really fucking... You have to spend 30 years full of meddling teenagers with no real ghosts. You have to establish the 90s, that concrete of a genre. Like, that is... Like, Scooby-Doo is its own genre at that mm-hmm. point. It is hey, its own thing. Can we not base our decisions off what does and doesn't happen? Here's the thing. If they wanted to do ghosts, I feel like they should have played it more as a Scooby-Doo episode than as an Elvis episode. But also, I can't... I mean, you can argue that Elvis and ghosts feels like something that would be an episode of Scooby-Doo. Well, no, because again, like if, if they had done something they wanted they were grasping at it but again it was this very clumsy pawing at the idea of the ghosts of the past and the idea of elvis being this sort of presence that haunts american culture and is sort of in all of the little bits and pieces of it in ways that aren't quite apparent and they weren't really able to capture that and what it meant and what it implied and what the idea of the ghost as a narrative device and a cultural construct sort of is, which does differ from culture to culture, because here's the thing is in American culture versus other cultures, 
ghosts ghost stuff sort of only really started coming into vogue after the civil war after a lot of people sent their kids off to die and then never really got to bury mm-hmm. the bodies and never really got to yeah. properly let go of their family mm-hmm. so this idea of the past is still around because we never really resolved it or had any sort of satisfying conclusion is something that's really unique to American ghosts in a way it's not necessarily it's with other cultures. It's also worth mentioning that, like, you know, things like... And, like, and I think that's why especially ghosts are sometimes associated in America with such a Southern narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting because... I truly, imply, like, I truly feel like the Civil War... I mean, people, especially if you're non-American, don't realize how few wars we fought on American soil. But yeah. you also don't realize that what we did to the Native Americans was not war. It was just mass extinction. Yeah, that was, and that so, was like, like And, like, we don't really acknowledge those ghosts unless we're making, like, some kind... Like, unless it's, like, a really racist caricature of ghosts. Or it's a really... Oh, oh my God. I'm sorry. That reminded me. I had, oh my god, hold on, I had a, because we were talking about Scooby-Doo and you talked about racist ghosts, and you know how, like, Pennywise in It always appeared as, like, these things that the kids were afraid of, these horror movie monsters? Yeah. And I was always like, I don't know what my sort of, like, nightmare clown vision would be, Mm -hmm. and I was like, it would be that, there was a Scooby-Doo movie that I only vaguely a little bit remember, and it was, like, with the Boo Brothers in it, and Shaggy's uncle was, like, a Confederate soldier general man, maybe, kind of, um, who left him, like, a massive fortune in a a dilapidated mansion, and this goddamn specter fucking nightmare, horrifying, I I used to have to sleep in my parents' room because I was so fucking afraid of this goddamn thing, and it's awful demon eyes and racist racist ghosts are bad ghosts are ghosts are i'm not normally scared of ghosts that thing just fucks me and i'm sorry that like that that oh what about scooby-doo and the witch's ghost that was well no because that was i i definitely had a thing for number one all the hex girls because i was gay Mm -hmm. and uh also um tim curry's character ben ravenscroft or whatever the fuck. <laughs> were, were they just like, Tim, we need you to do something. And he goes, I'm listening. And they go, the character's name is Ravencroft. And Tim Curry goes, <laughs> sold. I'm done. I don't need to know anything else. Uh-huh. No, it was great. Because I didn't know until I was a little older it was Tim Curry. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Of course it was. But um, Ghost also... I have such a fondness t- for Tim Curry. I that, such- le- that legends did not correctly capture in this episode. <laughs> I have such an immense fondness for Tim Curry. Like I, I, I love him so much. He was like with me through my whole childhood, and then mm-hmm. when I got older, I was like, oh, he was in the really gay movie, and that was like another. That was like a second half, second my second leg of the journey with Tim Curry. Um, in any case, the thing about ghosts is they also imply a lack of closure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you consider death as a sort of concrete ending of a narrative arc, ghosts are an open wound um something that is never really resolved it's that it's that hanging thread mm-hmm. um and that being these... said that's i mean because like here's the thing is that elvis presley goes well the dead only want to be acknowledged and that brings that's literally the perfect transition into talking about axel dying and ray holding him a funeral oh yeah actually it really is like because that's the other thing is like if we talk about people who haven't really had it haven't been allowed closure. Mick and Sarah are pretty high up on that fucking mm-hmm. list. Like Sarah did not even get to go to her sister's funeral. I think like there's a lot that, that makes me angry about the death of Laurel Lance. We've discussed that. Yes. But I think one of the things that makes me the angriest is mm-hmm. Sarah had to come back in time to a point where she just came home and they were like, Hey, your sister's dead. Sup? How you been? And that mm-hmm. the idea of that, makes me furious because Sarah deserved to get to say goodbye at the very least and didn't get to and will never really get to um, because the the stupid scene in Doomworld doesn't count. Um, Because that was another thing is that wasn't framed as Sarah saying goodbye to Laurel. That was more them being like, Mark Guggenheim says we can't bring Laurel back because he's a piece of shit misogynist. So, Well, you know the death totem, I think, has Laurel's voice. Yeah, which is great. Um, Honestly, at this point, if I... I'm just glad that Katie gets to show up on Legends every season. Yeah, at least a little bit. She deserves it. Um, um, it's I mean, the sort of thing where, you know, you have that, though. Hold on, sorry. Yeah, um, no, you go, you talk about Sarah, then I'll talk about Mick. Well, I wanted, I was going to, you talk about Mick first, because I was going to start talking about Mick, actually. Oh, okay, because the thing about Mick is that 
Len leaving and whatever happened with Wentworth is so, like, we're not going to know is the thing. Mm -hmm. We're never going to fully know. We know he sometimes will sort of come back and, like, grace them with his presence, but that he doesn't want to, like, be back. And Mick is one of those characters where, like, and, like, here's the thing is that Sarah is also a character who doesn't really like to be super emotional. And she and Mick have that in common. And I think that's why it was really great that the two of them were the ones who were supposed to be the mourners together. Mm-hmm. But Mick, I mean, here's the thing. We're only allowed to say Laurel Lance, like, once a season. Mick and Sarah find these reminders, but especially Mick. Like, imagine if we had, I mean, and who knows, we might next season, Black Siren on the Wave Rider. And then she just left. Because that's what happened to Mick. You know, he lost Len, then we got Doomworld Len, then Doomworld Len was retconned. Then we got Leo, who said a lot of really hurtful things to Mick. And I'm not saying he was, like, because he himself was hurting. And that's completely understandable. But then he just kind of left. Yeah. They never really gave, like, the, and the thing is, Mick just started drinking again. And you could tell that they made up. And we talked about when mm-hmm. they did make up. Like, yes. it was very clearly an old married couple sort of thing where they were like, mm-hmm fell back into the routine but the thing about i have to, i am a broken record at mick rory being an autistic yeah, man no, but here's here's the thing mick explicitly says in this episode i don't like change i i don't like change i don't like when when people leave i don't like change i don't like upending my routine i I, 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 he's autistic. I'm sorry. He just fucking is. He just mm-hmm. fucking is. That is the most fucking autistic thing. And that breaks my heart in the larger context of the fact that, yeah, he lost like Doomworld Len. I think he was like, this isn't my Len. I can let this go. But with Leo coming back, it, there was no real reason for him to leave other than outside reasons of Wentworth not wanting to continue to be on the show. And I think it made Mick feel more abandoned than Len dying. Like Len dying, he can at least say, well, Len died to do something important. Len died to save us. But Leo just sort of said, I just had an interesting thought. Actually, fuck this. And then just jet skis out. And like, that's hard to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't quote unquote, his Len, this Len came in and said, hey, you've got a drinking problem because you're dealing with a lot and this is how you self-medicate and you're grieving. And he was like, anyway, bye after that. And Mick never really got to sort any of that out with him in a way that concluded that narrative. Len is the show's lack of closure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hurts Mick. And it hurts me because Mick doesn't deserve to suffer like that. It is the sort of thing where he just, I I think it makes me so sad for him to see him get upended like that and like to lose all these people and have all these shifts in his, 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 you get the implication that he never really had anyone but Len and Lisa before this. And he suddenly got this much bigger family, but people keep coming in and out and him not being able to adjust to that and him sort of feeling abandoned and not really knowing how to vocalize it or, or process it hurts. It's just a lot emotionally. And I'm going to move on from it. Cause it's a lot. I don't feel like uh, probing tonight. Cause uh, that, that scab is going to stay over that wound. Rats well, don't live for one to two and a half. I want to, I, I, before you make a point about that, I want to say, why the fuck do you people keep your deadly poisons next to your regular food? They just needed him to die. Delicious They needed tea. him to die because they don't have the money to keep doing a CGI fucking Which rat. Which is ridiculous was- because rats are actually super intelligent. And if you just got a couple, you could literally have them. They could be the fucking crew pet. They're yeah, very honestly. social. They're very intelligent. Yeah, the, there's... But, I'm sorry. Rats in captivity, mm-hmm. can fancy rats, specific breed, can live like five to seven years. Well, here's the thing is that he wasn't a fancy captive rat. He was found in the vents. So I think he's supposed to just be a plain old even uptown then, rat. Even then. She was like living the up- in her uptown flat. Downtown rat would still be capable of living like three to four years. Like even if they're not rats bred and raised in captivity, Axel should have been able to live like three to four years. Like naturally. So, and that's technically what he well, did because his little end credits title little card. little fucking thing said that uh-huh. he was born his, in 2015. His little fucking thing. Holy it shit. It did have him at being about three years old. So that would be about right. But Ray saying that, 
I'm so, I, I, I think I've established that I'm like the weird horse kid on this fucking podcast. So like it bugged me. I no, know my enough dad about animals to be annoyed kid. by it. Okay. I, I think he said, I mean, I still, admit, I still go by the fact that he said that because Mick was upset because Mick was upset and he wanted to make him feel better. Cause yeah, which is a lot. Or he said that because he had a pet snake and he might feel guilty about killing rats or like feeding his snake rats. So that might have been something his mom told him when he was little that he never checked up on. That Yeah, I mean, that's giving the Legends writers too much credit. They don't know a lot about animals, but I can believe that. I have to give this show so much fucking context. You people don't give me enough fucking credit. And like, see, the thing is, is like, just from like a pet loss perspective thing, too... Is that was really nice for me to see because I remember when my dog was uh, about to die, um, she was really really ill and not not doing well. So it was like a matter of my family's my family's response to that was to have my aunt tell me, "I really hope your parents do it. Uh, put the dog to sleep when you're not home." Uh, like that was supposed to make me feel better. So you know, I definitely. It was nice to see someone handle the loss of a pet. Like, we've talked about how mm-hmm. this is, like, a way for them to grieve about Laurel and Len without necessarily grieving about Laurel and Len. But just from a loss of a pet perspective, especially for autistic people, well, to lose mm-hmm. your your pet, if you have a bond with an animal, it's really hard to lose them. So for Ray to take this seriously he, is, is the really Adam cool. wave. Well, he oh. means it. And it's really nice yes. to have done that because there are a lot of people, like I just said in my well, probably concerning childhood anecdote, mm-hmm. is people don't tend to take like pet death seriously. But Ray knows without having to be told that this means a lot to Mick. And we know it means a lot to Mick because we get to see Mick and Axel have like a little ghost moment. Which is also after. another allusion to Mick and Leo. Like, yeah. oh, you're gone. Oh, you came back. Oh, you left again. I, I saw it more as Mick getting that closure from a ghost. Mm-hmm, that's a good But point. that also works. I mean, I, I truly think that, like, there's, I mean, and here's the thing, is that Mick also did cry a little bit at Stein's funeral. And he mm-hmm. cried at this rat. We never got to see him actually physically cry over Len. And I think no. it's, I think it's pointed that now he actually does cry a little when people are lost to him. I think it's the sort of thing, too, where he didn't cry when Len died because He didn't cry when he looked at the photo of his mother. No. That was that was admittedly a little different, I think, in that context of mm-hmm. but like Mick not crying when Len died was a lot because they were all sort of I think it's also they were all looking at him the way that that happened. We go back to the team and they're all looking at Mick and like almost waiting to see if he'll lose it. Because nobody, it, it, there's almost this sort of feeling, you can feel this sort of tension when you watch the scene of them all being like, is Mick going to cry? What are we going to do if Mick cries? I have no idea how to handle Mick crying. And there's a weight to it where he's like, I can't cry because they're all looking at me and expecting me to cry mm-hmm. and I just can't. It's also and, very, after Len died, Ray is the person who knew exactly what to say then. Mm-hmm. And he's a person who knew exactly what to do now. And it's one of those things where like, Sometimes I think Mick is very frustrated that Ray comes on so strong. And then sometimes Ray comes on really strong and Mick just falls into it. Yes. I think sometimes it, it's a push-pull thing. Mm-hmm. Ray's always going to give his 100% to Mick emotionally mm-hmm. because he knows sometimes he'll be rebuffed. And I think he's okay with that because he understands that. Because he always wants to make sure he's giving that 100% because sometimes Mick needs it and opens up to it. And he's never sure when it's going to happen. So he always has to be ready. And it's nice because Mick never outright says, I hate when you do this and I'm really uncomfortable with it. But sometimes he'll just like be like, not fucking now. I don't have time for this. But Ray keeps doing it because because he knows that at some point Mick is going to need it and he mm-hmm. wants to be ready. And that's really sweet. Oh, God. Everything everything you just said was ugh. it really. And like and that's the thing is Mick does cry a little bit. And Ray just sort of like has this heartfelt sympathy for him. Yeah, that, he's, that was. Also, him pulling his hair back, like, like pushing his hair back, like, that was so good. Yeah, it was Side so good. note, that was delicious. Yeah. Um, I also just love that, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the church thing. Ray is, like, in the comics, and thus in the show, no matter what, uh, Ray is Jewish. Yeah. And Zari is Muslim. And I like to headcanon the Lances as Jewish, especially because Sarah was born on Christmas, so I feel like her birthday matters to her a lot more than Christmas. That's so sweet. Also, because my great-grandfather, who was, like, obviously Jewish, was born on Christmas. So, like, Christmas is, like, his birthday, not, like, like, what's Christmas? But there's something so specific about being 
non-Christian or like especially non-Protestant because like with Catholicism there's sort of a ceremony to it there's sort of a like it's sort of a you know it's almost like watching a historical reenactment but what? with yeah but with Christianity like with, with Protestantism and you go in and they're like singing these songs and you're like oh these are actual songs that other people know you guys all know this are are it, it's just very confusing from an outsider perspective and it's a kind of confusing where you're not sure you're ready to understand or that if you ask to understand that they're not going to lock you in a back room and try to convert you i'm sorry i don't i sure paranoia is one of the key tenets of judaism i'm not i, I don't mean this in a negative way i just literally have no i i i think i lost the and being cold I, I lost the thread here immensely. So I'm just going to let you have said that. I don't really have anything to say in response. I really out myself today. They have uh, these, uh, these free teas at the WeWork and they were loosely. So before I had one, it was really good. And so before I went back downstairs, I took one of the cups and I put a ton of the tea because it's loose leaf in the cup. And then I put the lid on it and I'm like, and now I have free tea. But maybe if they didn't want me to take free samples, they shouldn't just leave their free samples out for unlimited taking judaism anyway let's talk about nate and amaya really quickly before we end the episode sorry i i'm i i don't mean this in a i just i'm like yeah good i'm very happy for you i believe you i very happy to everything you just said was very good i don't i don't um mm-hmm. uh, i i get so happy when nate and amaya have so much cuteness friends is a bad show I let's have... talk about the fact that amaya canonically knows what netflix is so has definitely seen devil man cry baby and how much that let's hurts me immensely things that are on netflix that amaya has probably seen um... uh there are only hold on i'm sorry there are only two valid things on netflix the last unicorn and the trolls movie that's it those are the only things she's ever seen those are the only things that exist on netflix that's my hot take Sorry, I'm thinking about when the McElroy brothers were talking about teaching someone the internet. And I feel like that's how when they're like, here's a couple pictures of a cat and some the recipe for fried chicken. And that's it. We're hoping that's to improve. And I feel like Nate really did try his hardest to be like, that's it. That's the internet. Yeah, no, he tried really fucking hard. And you know what? I respect that. Um, Amaya, Amaya Jouet, a known Ross auntie. Here's the thing is, I have I people... hate Friends. I watched one episode of it once, largely under duress. Okay, and well, I was like, you know Laura. Laura. You know our beloved Laura. She's yeah. she's my best friend from, like, high school. Like, where she's... I, she's, I don't want to say she's my best friend while Ari is here, because I don't want Ari to think they're also not my best friend. So Laura is one of my best friends. I appreciate you changing your life. That was really nice. I know, yes. I know I'm also your best friend, but thank, thank you. you. That was really considerate, um, and that's why you're my best friend. Yes, of course. And they were... Um, sorry, you're... Laura was obsessed with friends when we were in middle school. That's valid. So, well, when you're little, I guess when you're little, when you're younger, I guess it's, it, I guess it, well, because it looks like cool adult shenanigans. Because friends ended the night of my eighth grade choir concert. Oh. Um, and so a lot of kids were like, God, I hope we don't miss friends. Cause DVR, I don't think had been fully like TiVo and DVR. I don't think had been like fully implemented and invented yet. Yeah. That's how fucking old I am. It's um, okay. I remember a pre DVR time too. I, I don't think my dad does at this point. Anyway, the point of that is, is that um, I just, I saw people who have in the past said sort of like negative things about Nate or been kind of like, oh, Nate, be like, he's so soft. Like this episode and the way he was with Amaya, because I think music is something a lot of people can relate to. Not so much me, because I actually get migraines and I'm a little audiophobic. Um, but huh. yeah. Not audiophobic in that I have a fear of music, audiophobic in that I have a negative reaction to, like, loud noises because of my migraines. That's fair. So, you know, music to me is not... It depends on the, the situation. The important thing, I guess. Music is, like, more... Like, it was... It was... Music, I hate to be that cliche person, but, like, I, there were, like, two reasons I didn't kill myself in sixth grade, and it was My Chemical Romance and Pokemon, and, like, that was it. So, music meant a lot to me. My relationship with music is slightly less intense these Mm. days, but you don't ever quite get over caring about something that much. And I still really do. I don't really, I don't know people who don't love music. It's, it really is one of the most, it's a really human thing, but... The way that music makes you feel is um, really like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It can be that intense. Like, Nate was a bit of a drama queen this episode. And yes, he was willing to throw the world to demons to make sure Elvis made his music. But there is a sort of 
Who among you us and his exuberance? Who among us wouldn't face God and walk backwards into hell for Lana Del Rey? Yeah, and it's the sort of thing where music like him wanting a song for him and Amaya was so fucking cute. Um Friends is a bad show, don't go on it. And secondly, I just I love I love Nate. He's such a good fucking boy. I'm just say, Amaya going, don't worry, we've got time is the number one way to imply that you do not have time. Yeah, I was like, okay. So I don't know what's coming, going to but have she Amaya better be unfucking scathed, Philip. Yeah. Unfucking scathed. It definitely well, because I mean to go because I'm I'm so fucking tired. So yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end it with this. Amaya waiting until Nate couldn't hear her and telling her telling him that she loved him. I like almost cried. Like that was so fucking soft. That was so good. And I know something bad is going to happen to them. And I don't want it to. They're so good. Mm-hmm. My kids. But they were so good this episode. It was it so was soft. Very, I mean, and like, and here's the thing. I guess I ship 99% of all of Maya's ships. And I think the 1% is like her incest ships. Wait, I'm sorry. Excuse I? You heard me. So like, here's the thing is that like, uh, next week we're going to get. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I did hear you, but I'm incredibly up. That's bad. Don't. Holy shit. Any- That's gross. Anyway, I, I mean, like, here's the thing is, like, next week and the week after that, we're going to get some delicious mixin. And we're also going to get some Amari and we're going to get some of this. And, like, I'm at a point where I'm like, every ship is a good one, except for the ones that I declare invalid. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't, for a ship to be declared invalid by me, it has to be pretty bad. I'll consider most things. Yeah, I, I have a pretty high... Listen... I play the Fire Emblem games. My ship threshold is pretty goddamn fucking high. So so you know coming from us that Oliver Queen is a bad person. And I think that's how we should end the podcast. Yeah, he's the worst. He should die. I wish he was dead. Anyway, next week he's not going to fucking die. But Sarah is going to be the death witch. So we can hope that maybe she'll somehow manage to do it. She looks like Killer Frost if Killer Frost hadn't slept in three days. She looks like, could you please, could you please join the bit? She looks like uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, hey, what's the uh, what's the deal with uh, Sarah's cheap ass uh, fucking wig? She looks like the photo negative of Amy Lee on Evidence Evanescence's Fallen album cover. She looks like Courtney Love wouldn't even touch it. How dare Courtney Love was an icon. That's why I said she wouldn't. But that I even even to drag Courtney, you know what? She looks like a direct to DVD. Uh, direct to DVD was the eighties. Direct to VHS anime horror special protagonist. She looks like she was fucking drawn by me in sixth grade as a joke. Um, she, her character design gives me agita because it's she the looks most- like the white ideal that uh, so many white sapphic shippers seem to love her for. Jesus Christ Almighty! Here's the thing: is like I say that, and then we mentioned like the lines drawn on her T-shirt and like on her face. I, I've told you about the time I I I I handmade my own T-shirt with fabric markers and drew hearts on my face, like under my under my uh, eyelids with eye- not my eyelids, my fucking. Uh, mm-hmm. near my cheekbones. I don't know mm-hmm. how where under my eyes. Whatever. I drew hearts with eyeliner. That's yep. what she looks like. She looks like somebody who woke up in the morning and said, "I." She looks like she belongs on MySpace. Yes. Fuck. That's the look I'm going for. She looks like she's on MySpace. Okay. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because it's like looking into a really specific time traveling mirror and I'm angry. So we'll see you next week. I'm real, real excited for what a fucking mess it's going to be. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of alive. Okay. I love you, Ari. I love you. Good night. This was a mistake. Goodbye. This was a mistake. I love you. Good night.